Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. And you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Shane McRae is the author of Pulling the Chariot of the Sun, a memoir of a kidnapping. Shane is the author of several books of poetry, including In the Language of My Captor, which was a finalist for the National Book Award, the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, and the Carlos Williams Award. Sometimes I Never Suffered, shortlisted for the T.S. Eliot Prize, and his most recent collection, Cain Named the Animal. McRae is the recipient of a Whiting Award, a National Endowment for the Arts Literature Fellowship, a Lannan Literary Award, and a Guggenheim Fellowship. He teaches at Columbia University and lives in New York City. Welcome, Shane. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your memoir, Pulling the Chariot of the Sun, a Memoir of a Kidnapping. 
Thank you for having me. My pleasure. What a powerful story. Oh my gosh, my heart just like bleeds for you reading some of the things that have happened and your relationship with your grandfather and oh my gosh, all of it. Tell me about what it was like writing this book for you when you decided you wanted to make your life into a book and and just tell me about that whole process. Please. Sure. I think I probably first started thinking about it when I was in graduate school for the first time getting my uh, MFA for poetry and uh so that would have been possibly 2002, more likely 2003, so uh, about 20 years ago. And then I first started seriously writing it maybe maybe 10 years ago or, or nine or so. But I didn't quite know what I wanted to do uh, with the story or how to do it until maybe three or so, maybe three or four years ago. And that's when I started writing it in earnest, maybe three years ago. And it was... um I mean, writing it was, you know, I was surprised to discover that um, there were times I enjoyed writing prose, which is unlikely for me. I, I generally speaking, although I like to read it, um, don't really like writing it, but I surprised myself. And and there were times when, you know, when I was falling asleep or, you know, just going about my day where uh, a, a bit of prose would occur to me and I would have to make a note about it, which is extremely unlikely a thing for me to do. Wow. I mean... Your poetry background shines through in basically every sentence. I mean, the way that you write, the way that the sentences are constructed, linked together, the short sections, the longer sections, the I mean, it's it's the the narrative itself is quite poetic. And yet the pain sort of like seeps through in every line. Can you tell me a little bit more about or tell listeners perhaps the the main crux of your story and how you, you know, if for people who don't know anything about it and how you were kidnapped by your grandparents and what that meant to you and when you which you discuss in the book but when you even acknowledged it was in fact a kidnapping uh sure well so my mother and father my mother for sure and i think my father too were both teenagers when i was born although if not my father was, was in his very early 20s and my mom was 18 my mother was white is white my father is black and my, my maternal grandparents were both racists. And when I was three years old, three years and nine months, I just discovered this about a week ago, that that's how old I was when it happened. I just thought it was three, but I didn't I didn't have any sense of what time of year it was. So when I was three years old and uh, nine months, my grandparents, my grandfather on my father's side, so my father's dad, had just died. And my father wanted to take me. We were living in, I was with him in Salem at the time, Salem, Oregon. And he wanted to take me to Phoenix, Arizona for the funeral. And my grandparents, maternal grandparents, whom my father thought were still living in Salem, my grandmother came by and, and asked if I could stay with them, you know, just for a couple of days. I think overnight actually was what it was. And my father said, sure. And he let her know that, you know, we were going to go out of town. And so my grandmother uh, took me and it turns out they weren't living in Salem. They were living in Portland. But they so they took me to Portland. And so when they didn't come back and didn't bring me back the next day, my father was understandably confused. And they had gone to Portland, as I said, without telling my father where they went. My mother wouldn't tell him where they were. And um, sometime later, maybe it's probably just a few days because they had planned this all out. They took me to Texas, a suburb of Austin, and they didn't tell my father where I was and that he had no further contact. He ran into my mother. Well, my aunt, his sister, ran into my mother in Salem when I was nine 
And my mother said, oh, you know, you know, I would, I'd love for you to be in contact with Shane. And so he gave them a phone number, but it was a fake number. And so he didn't, I didn't hear from him again. I couldn't find, I found him myself when I was 16 and he had no idea where I was, but that's what happened. What it meant to me, I mean, it's hard to say, uh, you know, it didn't, I mean, it was my life at the time and I didn't really know that I had been kidnapped when I was a kid um, because my grandparents were really invested in me not knowing. And so, you know, one of the things they did was they told me repeatedly, my father didn't want me. Another thing that they did was they told me that what they did, they had done when I was 18 months old, not almost four. And so my sense of reality was really undermined, um, but I didn't know it. So I had no idea what was going on with regard to uh, me being kidnapped or anything like that. And I started to become aware of it probably maybe in my late teens or early 20s, but it didn't really hit me. It was a thing that, uh, a term I had used in my poetry for years, but it didn't really hit me until I was writing this book. It was really very, very recent, and I'm still I'm still not quite sure how to deal with it. So it, it has meant recently, it's been really sort of devastating personally, but it, you know... And that's something I wish I could have dealt with years ago. But um, yeah, that's that's what happened. Oh my gosh. What has been the effect of this sort of realization in the last couple of years? Like what would have happened differently have you, had you confronted it? Like when you say you wish you had known years ago? Well, um, I mean, insofar as like, you know, I don't, I don't have a therapist and I haven't had one for about 20 years or so, longer than that, actually maybe 30 years almost. And so if I had really confronted it or, you know, even really been deeply aware of it 30 years ago, I would have had somebody, you know, a a medical professional to talk to about it. And it's not as if I cannot connect with a therapist now, I suppose I could, but I would have had, you know, an environment, you know, sort of ready-made for me to deal with it, talk with folks, et cetera. And as it is now, it's just something that it feels like I kind of need to deal with on my own. And I am trying to deal with it on my own, but I've spent a, a lifetime not really thinking about it. And certainly since I became conscious of it, um, because I think that there was at some level, even as a child, I was aware of it. But since I became conscious of it, I've still been not really thinking about it. What it has meant is when I'm thinking about it, you know, when I was writing the memoir and this time, you know, the memoir's release. It's sort of hard to do other things. Very hard to write poems, which makes me, writing poems makes me extremely happy. Um, It's very difficult to do much of anything other than, well, nothing. Sit around and um, (laughs) not do things. But I'm trying to figure out how to um, sort of integrate an awareness of this into my life in a a healthy way so that I can uh, live with the constant presence of this fact of the kidnapping because you know the book is a kind of manifestation of that but also live my life in an ordinary way that you know is happy wow you know i referenced this earlier but just the the many many times you talked about your grandfather beating you and you would it was almost like a poetic refrain honestly at the end of many chapters in this like and then my grandfather beated me for this and then for this and the dogs and this and that two things one is did you think about writing scenes of what that actually looked and felt like or was this a way of coping to sort of summarize it in that way like did you think about going more in depth each time into what happened or you know what i mean 
Sure. I mean, since I don't remember what it looked and felt like, I couldn't really write it. All I could do was write from the position of not remembering sort of the specific events. Uh, as I talk about in the book a little bit, um, or a lot, I mean, the whole book is written in such a way as to reflect this, as to sort of make this a sort of felt experience for the reader. But since I was very little, I've been blocking out painful memories. Probably this started when I was kidnapped, but it's, you know, it's hard to say. But apparently my, my, my tools for doing this, uh, my mechanism is extremely effective. And I can't, I remember so little from my childhood. And I remember so, you know, I don't remember these events with my grandfather really at all. I, I almost don't remember him. And so the only real way to talk about it that I could figure out was to write about not remembering it, which is what I did. Wow. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. What has been the response sort of within your family of, about the book? I don't know. My father read it and he seems to have thought it was a good book. And my mother, I think she just got it. I don't know if she's read it yet, but those would be the concerned parties, I suppose. My grandparents are dead. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't really know what they think. Other than, uh, my dad thinks it's good. I don't know what my mother thinks. Aside from writing poetry, where else do you find joy in your life these days? My my own family, my children, uh, my wife, Melissa, 
And um, I like uh, playing video games and I like reading. Yeah, I would say those are the main things. What's your go-to video game? I'm well-versed in the video game world Uh, with kids. (laughs) Well, uh, I mean, I guess the game, I should probably say that Skyrim is my go-to video game insofar as it's the one that playing it for like 10 years or whatever, it really got me into contemporary video games um, because there was a, a lacuna where I didn't play them for years. So there's a way in which I played that game more than I ever played any game in my entire life. And so I suppose that's the one, but I'm not playing it today. I might play it tomorrow. Um, so I guess that would be it. Interesting. Um, how do you sort of come to terms with the own way, the way you were raised when you're raising your own kids? Like, do you feel, do you parent with a sense of intention sort of every day? Like how, how has it affected your parenting? And I have no idea. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't, I, 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 I don't know that it would be possible to parent that way, but I suppose, you know, like when you're parenting, at least for me, I, I, I shouldn't speak for anybody else when I'm parenting, I, cause I don't know what it's like for anybody else. I'm never sitting around thinking, well, my childhood was like this, so I'm going to do that. You know, it's, it, you, you are sort of responding to whatever it is that's going on, you know, when it's going on. There's a way in which, a way in which, it's one of my, I I fall back on that phrase all the time, and I don't even know if it has a lot of meaning for me. Because the sort of central events of my childhood, at least the central negative events, were so extreme, there isn't really a way for me to replicate them. At least, you know, like, you know, the kidnapping is sort of the central thing. And so, thank goodness, it's not, I can't imagine how that would come up. So it's not really a part of anything um, with regard to parenting. But I don't know. I just try to parent as well as I can and, 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 and learn from my mistakes, basically. And what what types of books do you like to read? You mentioned you really you like reading prose, even though you prefer to write poetry. What kinds of books or what are you reading now? What books do you love? And I don't like reading prose that much. <laughs> I used oh, to don't. read a lot of fiction and I used to read a lot of nonfiction. I, 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 I really prefer to read poetry. But if I'm reading, I mean, I read the Bible every day and I do read literary criticism a good amount. And hmm, honestly, it may be that literary criticism is the prose that I'm reading these days. And I need to I need to change that. But I'm not. Yeah. Prose wise, literary criticism in the Bible are sort of what I'm doing. And who are some of your favorite poets? My favorite poets are. Um, huh, OK, well, um, Sylvia Plath was the reason I started writing. And so she's sort of a permanent favorite, even though I don't necessarily read her all that much at the moment. Patricia Smith, I think, is an exciting poet. Louise Glick, for a long time, I thought of as my favorite poet of all time, that, and that, that might still be the case. Robert Lowell and Jeffrey Hill are, 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 are two poets who I like a lot. Sandra Lim is a poet I like a lot. Let me think. Uh, William Empson, I guess, is a poet I like a lot. I mean, there's a, it's a sort of unending list. Okay. So what do you want readers to take away from this book? Why share your experience? What do you want all of us to know, to feel, to think? I mean, nothing in particular. I don't, you know, so there's there's a story at the center, center of the book that is a sort of extreme story. And I understand that people are going to be interested in the book. Um, Many of them will be interested in it for 
kind of how shocking the story is. But what I was interested in when I was writing the book was the writing itself. You know, what I care about is technique. And, you know, it, it, it sounds maybe almost a little offensive, and I don't mean it to, but uh, I wanted to make, to the extent that my abilities, uh, such as they are, would allow me to do so, uh, I wanted to make a beautiful book. And so if, despite what's being said in the book, you know, despite the content, if um, a reader finds any part of it beautiful, that would be gratifying. But yeah, what I what I what I really cared about the story was a, you know, something that would allow me to do writing. And what I care about is the writing itself. Well, it is absolutely beautiful. So you okay. can. <laughs> do you have any advice for aspiring authors or poets? Um, I mean, I do, but it's probably the advice that they've already heard, but that doesn't mean that they, they shouldn't hear it again, which is that they should read as much as they possibly can and they should study. Um, they should study poetry seriously. They should um, take apart poems they read. They should, should figure out how poets do it. They should learn meter and rhyme, even if they're not going to write meter and rhyme. Um, they should get a real serious knowledge of the thing that they're devoting their life to, if they're really devoting their life to it. You know, they should, they should be experts. So study and read. Wonderful. Well, Shane, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. What a feat, this beautiful book. Congratulations. Thank you for having me. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.